This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I'm Sam Knight. We are broadcasting out of the intern Nate is not a worker studios in Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. A sunny but rainy Washington, D.C. Yes, hot. This is not a metaphor. I'm looking out the window. Yeah, it's about to start raining. It is raining. It is raining right now. Wow, it is actually raining. But it's still very sunny from where we're sitting. (laughs) A sun shower. It's weird. It's weird. Uh, Speaking of bad weather in D.C., I was recently not in D.C., as people know. That's right. You were on vacation. I was on vacation. I was in Maine. It was nice. I was in mid-coast Maine. And I got to uh, soak in some of the local journalism, which actually mm. was way better than any of the uh, a lot of the national journalism I've, I've read recently. And uh, I also saw in that, in the free press, this, uh, this, mag- this newspaper, excuse me, from uh, Belfast, Maine, mm. I saw a letter to the editor... And I wanted to read part of it because I think our readers uh, might like what they hear. It was about it was in response to an editorial about the uh, quote strange revival of socialism. Mm. Put that aside. I'll just read uh, some of this letter from a Chris Banakiotis. I think that's his name. Who cares? Who cares? (laughs) Anyway, quote: The Democrats alluding to socialism is in effect an illusion, while alluding the true meaning and intent of socialism. The Democratic Party is trying to create the appearance that it is not a corporatist, imperialist, nationalist party attempting to retain the notion that they are interested in the needs of working class people. Hmm. It's kind of nice opening the uh, local newspaper and reading that. Yeah, it's a, it's the, almost like the timeline. It's almost like our Twitter timeline in the newspaper. It was, it was strangely, I don't know, it was, it was uh, very life-affirming. Go, going all that way, being in a uh, you know kind of a kind of a rural area, and opening the newspaper and seeing a better newspaper than uh, than the Washington Post. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, in my home state of Florida, I got to hand it to the voters who nominated Andrew Gillum last night, Bernie Sanders-backed Democrat who beat a more establishment centrist candidate in Gwen Graham. He's going to run now on the Democratic Party ticket for governor of the state of Florida. Now, Gillum endorsed Clinton during the 2016 election, but notable, he didn't ask Clinton to come campaign for him this time around. He asked Bernie Sanders to come campaign for him. He took on Bernie Sanders' positions in terms of uh, support of single-payer health care and took on even more leftist positions such as abolishing ICE what uh, to the left of Bernie on that. Yeah, exactly. So this is an example of a politician who sees the winds changing here, sees where the left is going. And unlike the 7 or 8% of Democrats out there who hate Bernie Sanders and are still hanging on to Democratic Clintonism, Gillum seems to find a way forward for political success and these people are unable to process what happened last night so well done florida voters unfortunately y'all nominated also ron desantis on the republican ticket 
And on the first official day of the general election campaign, DeSantis said some racist shit about his African-American opponent. He said Florida voters shouldn't, quote, monkey this up by electing Gillum. It's pretty (laughs) even even Uh, today that manages to shock. Yeah. DeSantis claims he wasn't being racist and that it's a term used often. I've never heard that term used before. Haven't really heard anybody else who's used that term before, but I'm sure racists do use that term when talking about black people. And DeSantis just let it fly while he was on Fox News. Pretty safe spot to start talking like that, considering he wasn't challenged on that and was teed up for it, basically. Yeah. I get, it reminded me of George Allen. You remember George Allen? Yeah. In 2006, he was the uh, incumbent senator. He was running it. That was he was running against Jimmy Webb, right? Yeah. Jimmy Webb. Uh, <laughs> memories. Anyway, Allen was being uh, tailed by a tracker. This was in the first days of YouTube. A Democratic uh, leaning tracker. Yeah. Who recorded him using a racial slur? Also a monkey. In fact, uh, this this time DeSantis though. He does it on national television in a TV yeah. studio. So <sighs> impressive. Yeah, looking forward to seeing how this race shakes out in November. We're going to be, be doing live election night coverage in November. This is something that's going to happen. We've confirmed this with ourselves. We right? have. We have. We're we going to be live streaming it. it for our subscribers, for all of you uh, watching. Speaking of subscribers, you got to do it. If you haven't subscribed yet, you're going to miss out on this show. Starting Tuesday, after Labor Day next week, this show becomes subscriber only. You're going to have to go to patreon.com slash district sentinel to become a $5 subscriber. You get all bu- bunch of other perks when you do that. You get access to other bonus content. You get a haiku. We're going to read some haikus later in the show. $5 a month, patreon.com slash district sentinel. Sign up this week so that when the newscast returns next week on Tuesday, You'll be able to listen to it. Now, this is if you can afford to do this. Now, I've heard from some listeners, you know, there's a couple thousand of you who listen to this show, uh, and we appreciate all of you listening to the show, but we're, we're moving in hopes that those of you who have the means can help support this show as we move. You, you come along the move with us. But we understand that there are some of you out there who listen to the show every day, who enjoy the show, rely on it for news but just can't afford $5 a month. Um, Totally understand that. My DMs are open. Sam, are your DMs open? No. You need to open up your DMs. Just tag me, uh, and and I will will follow you back, and then I can Sam is big time team follow back. I try to as well. At Sam Sachs on Twitter. DM me. Open DMs kind of creep me out. Email at the DC Sentinel as well. uh, DCSentinel at yahoo.com. Uh, email us. Let us know if you're one of those people who want to keep listening to the show but really don't have the means to, to pay for it. We'll hook you up. You can also email me at samknight at districtsentinel.com. Yeah, Sam Sachs at districtsentinel.com, Sam Knight at districtsentinel.com, DC Sentinel News at yahoo.com, or DM <laughs> us on Twitter. Yeah, that's right. We want you to have the show. We understand if you can't afford it. We're going to create a way so that everybody can keep listening to this show, uh, those who have the means to support us and those who don't. And uh, buried lead, yes, we still have a Yahoo email address. <laughs> Yes. As I said, haikus coming up later in the show. Let's get down to business. It's Wednesday, August 29th, 2018. Here's the news. 
While we were recording yesterday's show, the leader of the Senate Democrats, Chuck Schumer, cut a deal with Mitch McConnell to allow 20 Trump nominees to be confirmed. And in a vote late yesterday afternoon, 12 of those nominees, including seven judges who will have lifetime appointments and five executive branch nominees, were all confirmed, most of those via unanimous vote. Democrats not even putting up in opposition. U.S. Magistrate Judge Charles Goodwin was the only contentious vote. He had been rated as unqualified by a majority of members on the American Bar Association Standing Committee. They cited his poor work ethic, but ultimately the Senate confirmed him too. Uh, The other nominees who weren't confirmed yesterday are expected to be confirmed in a similar fashion after Labor Day. Now, Democrats could have mucked this up for Mitch McConnell, Republicans, and uh, Donald Trump. They could have stopped these nominations, especially these judicial nominations that carry lifetime appointments that will allow Trump to reshape the judiciary for generations. They could have stopped these or at least slowed them down, prevented more business from happening in the Senate, but they didn't. Chuck Schumer struck a deal. The reason being... Well, vacation. Yeah, Three, vacation. They, they want to go to Labor Day barbecues. Yes, that is it. They figure they can go back to their home districts and campaign. Joe Manchin said it was better for Democrats to go along with this than spend another week in Washington, quote, yelling at each other. <laughs> Mustn't yell at the Republicans. Mustn't. Mustn't stop the judicial nominations that will carry lifetime appointments. We'll have more on this in uh, the latest zine coming up at the end of the week. NAFTA could be back in a matter of days. Justin Trudeau said today that Canada could join the new U.S.-Mexico trade deal by the end of the week. We recognize that there is a possibility of getting there by Friday, the Canadian Prime Minister said today, according to Reuters. It will hinge on whether or not there is ultimately a good deal for Canada. Trudeau's foreign minister, Christian Freeland, is in Washington today to negotiate with U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer. In comments to the press this morning, Freeland said she was optimistic and that, quote, Mexico has made some significant concessions. Sort of lends lends credence to the theory we've discussed. The new, more worker-friendly deal would not be possible without incoming President Obrador of Mexico. Despite the optimism, Canada is still concerned about how Chapter 19 was renegotiated, according to the CBC. That's the part of NAFTA that deals with dumping the trade practice, not to be confused, of course, with doo-doo. Other shows are sponsored by ads. This one, though, is sponsored by poetry. Time for a haiku break. This is for Kyle. TV memories, like all those times that South Park was soft fascist shit. Thank you, Kyle. This one is for Steven. Lately, we've had some technical difficulties. Blame John McCain's ghost. Thank you, Steven. This is for James Yu. Go fact check state you. Go fighting Pinocchios. Give them the truth, team. (laughs) 
Thank you, James Yu. This is for Luke. Hot, humid August. Hot and humid August. Drenched in sweat and misery. Freeze me like Disney. Thank you, Luke. Hope you don't mind that mid-sentence syllable correction. We got it. Got it. We got it. This is for please and thanks. All cops are bastards. Record scratch. Bringing it back. Except Sid Hatfield. Thank you. Please and thanks. Finally, this is for Jenna. Keebler elves work in the hollow tree factory, not a union shop. (laughs) Yes. Thank you to all our new subscribers on Patreon. Patreon.com slash District Sentinel. U.S. Pentagon provided Congress with a full accounting of its war spending since 9-11, In a report released by Stephen Aftergood with the Federation of American Scientists, the, it puts the total cost of U.S. wars over the last 17 years at more than $1.5 trillion, $1.5 trillion. And that's divided up in the following ways. The Iraq War also known as Operation Iraqi Freedom or New Dawn. That's cost more than $730 billion. The Afghanistan War and anti-terror operations around the globe known as Operation Enduring Freedom has racked up a bill of more than $584 billion. Now, that's all prior war spending. There's a lot of ongoing war spending right now. Current military activities in Afghanistan are under the name of Operation Freedom Sentinel. No relation to the District Sentinel. That's cost $134 billion, $134 billion and rising. We have the war against ISIS in Iraq and Afghanistan, which is $23.5 billion and counting. And uh, then there's Operations Noble Edge, which pertains to post 9-11 military security at key installations like the White House and Pentagon. That's cost $27.7 billion since 9-11 and counting. So that's about a hundred billion per year on wars. Yes. And this is on top of the uh, quote unquote. It's more base than hundred billion. It's like one hundred and sixty billion. It's more than okay. But uh, just to be clear, though, that's also on top of hundreds of billions for the quote unquote base budget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like uh, actually closer to two hundred billion a year. Yeah, this is the overseas contingency uh, operations part of the the budget. So one point five trillion dollars since. 2001. At least that money's been well spent. Uh, Afghanistan, Iraq, stable democracies, and there are no more terrorists anymore. More trade news, sort of. This coming out of Tehran. Iran's Supreme Leader Ayatollah Ali Khamenei urged the country's president to focus less on salvaging the nuclear deal, the so-called JCPOA. According to his statement on his official website, Khamenei said, quote, it is fine to establish ties, continue negotiations with Europe, However, you should stop having hopes in them on JCPOA or economic matters. Khamenei added, quote, if we conclude that it is impossible to protect national interests with JCPOA, we will put it aside. The multilateral nuclear deal was signed in 2015 between former President Obama, Iran's current president, Hassan Rouhani, and representatives from every permanent member of the UN Security Council in Germany. It was effectively torn to shreds by the United States under the Trump administration. Iran has recently been undergoing economic problems worsened by sanctions reimposed last month by the U.S. after it ripped up the JCPOA. 
Khamenei expressed support for Rouhani in a statement today, including the language, the enemy has targeted the economy of Iran. Today, solidarity and unity of Iranian officials, Iranian officials, excuse me, are needed more than ever. Solidarity. <laughs> now, we need to turn to another issue. Iran's former conservative president, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, yes. is currently trying to rebrand as a woke Twitter guy. <laughs> What's up with that? I don't know. We should get him on the show to talk about it, though. He's becoming more and more our brand. So <laughs> what's up, Mahmoud? Finally, one bright spot to emerge in recent weeks, the total collapse of the Sinclair Tribune merger. It would have created a TV broadcasting company with reach well above the 39% of household limit set by Congress. It followed a number of sketchy meetings between Sinclair executives and Ajit Pai, the FCC commissioner. But after the inspector general started investigating Pai for his ties to Sinclair, the FCC increased its scrutiny of the proposal, and Tri Tribune pulled out in response and sued Sinclair, alleging misconduct. Which brings us to today's news. Sinclair has countersued Tribune, nice. claiming the company didn't try to see its acquisition through in good faith. <laughs> According to The Hill, Sinclair CEO Chris Ripley said he was, quote, disappointed that Tribune through its meritless lawsuit, is seeking to capitalize on an unfavorable and unexpected reaction from the FCC. Tell that to the Inspector General, pal. Reminder that Sinclair is the media company that forces local stations to broadcast must-run editorial segments about why Trump is good. This public meltdown couldn't have happened to a nicer company. I would say I hope they both somehow lose these lawsuits, but I kind of hope Sinclair loses more. Yeah, I want them both to lose. I want to see the two CEOs fight to the death in an arena and it to be like a gauntlet to where once one of them kills the other, they unleash like a bunch of lions on the winner. What what is Ajit Pai's role? Is he the referee? Is he going to be the Mills Lane of this of this fight? Yes, he should be the referee, but he should still be in the arena when the lions are unleashed on the winner. <laughs> that's that's how I want to see this all go down. That's the newscast for today. Before we go, let's check on the listener rant line. Seriously, it was about even 9 o'clock, and my friend started texting me about, your Bernie bros better not screw up this election for Florida governor. I'll be pissed. That's a direct quote from this text. We went back and forth for a while uh, discussing why Gwen Graham uh, sucks, and uh, it ended up with him uh, shutting down the conversation by saying, well, congrats to future governor slash Ted Cruz disciple DeSantis. I just, I, I, for the life of me, does that sound like the kind of shut up and get behind the nominee kind of uh, message that we all just heard over and over again after the DNC uh, two years ago? It's just exhausting, man. I just, the, the, the fucking hypocrisy and, and just, ugh. No, yeah, this is this is bad. I mean, it's it's funny. It's it's yeah. it's bad. It's it's kind of expected though. This Look. is a this is a nice preview of what 2020 is going to be like. The Dem primary, 2020 Dem primary is just going to be so fun. The thing is and and not to not to go on too long cuz we got other calls to get to. Yeah. Sounds a little bit like the Pumas, the Hillary supporters, uh, who threw a tantrum when Obama won the nomination in 2008. And ultimately, they were a non-factor. Non-factor. We could be looking at these uh, the Twitter 8% here, <laughs> the diehard, the Hillary diehards. Definitely. 
Hey, boys, this is the Macho Man Rand Paul's neighbor. Um, just wanted to say that I was uh, I was out celebrating my birthday this past weekend. I went to a really great uh, local wrestling show, uh, Empire State Wrestling. Check them out on YouTube if you're curious about what Buffalo wrestling is like for some reason. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I had a really good time. Best ESW show I've ever seen. I went home, uh, and I found out that John McCain died. So, uh Thanks for the present, you old piece of shit. Rest in piss. <laughs> ah, Macho Man Rand Paul's neighbor there expressing a familiar sentiment. Uh, always nice to hear from him. All right, one last call. Hey, fellas. Uh, <clears throat> what's up? Uh, I think I'd make a huge mistake if I had 60 extra bu- bucks a year. I would do lots of things. I'd join my local hunting club. I'd fucking do a lot of things so I respect your decision y'all do what you got to do but um, I think your your audience is going to shrink to like a core group of people and you're not going to get any more uh, outreach and I think it's a bad decision in the overall in the long run but I guess you got to do what you got to do to avoid having a real job <laughs> so uh, whatever man peace best of luck well, uh, you know, I, I can't say I entirely disagree with the caller sentiment. We uh, we talked about it on yesterday's show, talked a little bit about it on today's show. This isn't a decision we wanted to make to take the show and put it behind our uh, Patreon paywall, but sort of is necessary. And we figure we shouldn't lose much of an audience. After all, uh, the audience that, that, that wants to keep listening to this show and has the means to, we figure they'll, they'll move with us. And those who want to keep listening but just don't have the means to, we're going to provide an opportunity for them to listen. Yeah, we will hook it up. And uh, if nothing else, our interviews will definitely still go on the free channel. So Yeah, we're going to still be releasing a lot of stuff on the free channel, uh, including our uh, Rashid Talib interview. Rashida Talib interview will probably be released sometime next week. Totally get it if you want to use the money for a hunting club, though. Yeah. No, totally, no hard feelings. Fully, fully understand. Uh, shout out to Ivan. Shout out to Directing Titan. Shout out to Christopher. Hello, Drake. Everyone who's been tuning in, our subscribers watching on the live stream. That is going to do it for the show today. Call the rant line 202-684-6108. Other sponsors of the show include the Congressional Dish podcast hosted by Jen Briney. Find it at congressionaldish.com. Another sponsor, levelnews.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or tune in by searching for District Sentinel Radio. Give us a review, give us a rating, tell your friends to listen. Also, you're running out of days. Subscribe on Patreon, patreon.com slash District Sentinel, so that you can listen to this newscast next week. You'll also be able to watch it, and $5 a month, you get access to bonus content and your own haiku, written by one of the two Sams. Newscast returns tomorrow. We're in D.C., so you don't have to be.